The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. And welcome to the inaugural 2015 dish here on Clubhouse Conversation. It's Davo on the place where we talk to all your favorite current and former Royals players year-round. And we break down virtually every game and big move right here on the dish. Our first one, as we'll return to daily coverage on April the 6th here on your dish. But then we also are going to have one more dish before then. I'll break down my season predictions for the AL Central for various Royals players and all that. We'll do that next week. But tonight, there's three main things I want to do on this inaugural edition of The Dish here. And number one, we're going to start by answering your questions from our Twitter and Facebook. Our Twitter is at Royals Clubhouse. You can find us on Facebook as well, Clubhouse Conversation. We got some great questions earlier today. We're going to answer a few of them here. We'll then preview what I believe will be the 25-man roster. And really, it's pretty much decided. There's nothing groundbreaking too much here. But we'll go over the roster and a few of my small predictions and a few of my concerns about different points. We'll save the main stuff for next week, but we will go over the 25-man roster as well. And then finally, we'll be joined with Clubhouse Conversation insider Jake Lutz, who spent all of last week in Surprise, Arizona, out there covering it for Clubhouse Conversation. So we'll do all three of those things on today's dish, and let's dig right in and get to your questions. Now, first of all, Don Hall, thanks for writing in. I believe he was on Facebook. He says, quote, I've already heard some scouts say the Royals' bullpen is looking tired. What's your take on that? Well, I'm assuming, Don, that you're referring to the fact that the velocity has been reported down with a couple of the Royals relievers, namely Holland and Davis, because I know that Kelvin Herrera has been hitting 96-97 regularly on the gun out there. I also know for a fact that the gun there has been slow at Surprise Stadium at times. Uh, just from talking to Jake, who sat by some scouts, the readings are typically a little bit higher on the guns behind the dish there in Surprise. So I don't know if you're referring to the velocity being down a little bit, maybe two, three, four miles an hour. I know they've lost some ticks, according to some people, on their fastball. I don't believe that's true, not to mention they're also working themselves back into you know, regular season form, and they're also not going to unveil everything they have and go 100% in spring training. Uh, as far as you, you asked, the other word you used on this was looking tired. I'm assuming that's what you mean because these guys obviously are not overworked at this point. Now, if you're referring to the end of last year, it's true the Royals bullpen, the HDH, you know, was I wouldn't say overworked last year, but they were definitely taking to the max. They, the Royals and Indios put their foot in the gas and they floored it a bit. You know, the engine still runs fine. The engine didn't overblow, but it was definitely taken to the max. So yes, they were used quite a bit last year and. And another reason I'm not worried, I mean, first of all, I mentioned the fact that it's just spring training and the guns are a little bit off. But I'm not worried also because I think the Royals have some good coverage for them, quote unquote, uh, some good middle guys that could potentially eat innings in the middle and maybe even slide in and take some innings there at the back end of that bullpen. Now, first of all, obviously, Jason Frazier will be with the team for the full season after coming over at the trade deadline last year. So you've got Jason Frazier out there, a guy that will most likely pitch the sixth inning, obviously, in a perfect scenario. 
but a guy that can also slide back into the seventh and eighth inning on certain nights to give Davis and Herrera some time off early in the year. I only say him because I think Luke Hochever is probably April 20th to April 25th before we see him. So ultimately, Hochever would then jump in to that seventh, eighth, and ninth inning as well. But for now, you have Jason Frazier the first few weeks as a guy that can you know give the back end of the bullpen a rest. And then there's the fact you've got some innings out there. And another thing you're going to say, I'm sure, and a good follow-up question, a good point would be you lose James Shields. So you lose 200-plus innings innings, you know, where are you going to get that? You know, is Edison Volquez going to be able to replace those innings? No, I don't believe Edison Volquez. We'll talk more about the predictions next week. I don't see him coming, you know, even maybe, maybe within 30 to 40 of Shields. I don't see him going up and replicating and duplicating James Shields eating innings. But the good thing is, you know, you've still got Jeremy Guthrie out there that eats innings. I think Vargas will, be, will do a decent job of that. The Royals will definitely will have to have Ventura or Duffy hit 200 innings to be successful this year. One of them has to. The other one has to at least get to the 170 mark, I would say, at the very minimum. But my point being, not only do you have some extra arms out there in the pen that can be stretched out and help you eat up the innings you lose from James Shields, but they can also do the same thing in protecting HDH at the back. I mean, look at Chris Young. What a great signing by Dayton Moore and company just a few weeks ago. Chris Young, last year, six foot ten, two fifty five, a Princeton guy. Gotta love him. The veteran 35 that completely understands his role was good last year for Seattle. 12 and 9, a 365. Did kind of fall apart there in, in fatigue towards the middle to the end of August. Basically, it was shut down the majority of September. But 165 innings for Young last year. A guy that's just tough to face, coming from over top, sitting behind the dish last year, I believe it was. Maybe it was 2013. I saw him one time up close and personal, and he's tough. The stuff's not going to blow anybody away, you know, just sitting there and watching. But when you get in the box there, I'm sure it's, it's extremely tough. Just looking at the swings against him and seeing how the pitches move and the deception he has coming from that high. So I love Chris Young out there, not only to help save innings in the bullpen and protect the starters, but, you know, possibly worst-case scenario, he could step in for some spot starts as well. You've got Franklin Morales out there in the bullpen, who was not good last year. 29 years old, not good his last two couple of spring training outings either. Got lit up like a Christmas tree tonight against the White Sox. A couple nights ago, did as well. So his last couple of outings have been a little concerning, but Franklin Morales is on this club. He's going to make the team. A guy who last year threw 142 innings for Colorado, so a nice guy that can give you some innings, protect you, protect those guys. Had a 5-3-7 ERA for Colorado. We're going to just forget that never happened. We're going to pretend it didn't. But, yeah, I mean, you look at guys like that. I mean, between having Jason Frazier for the full year and Franklin Morales and Chris Young, and then you do get back Luke Hochaver, as I mentioned. I don't see Hochaver as a guy they're going to throw two innings this year, most likely. Obviously, I see him as more of a, you know, back-to-back one-inning days occasionally. But when he first comes up, I'm sure it'll be, you know, throw one day off one day, throw one day off one day until maybe June, July, until maybe they feel more comfortable throwing him on back-to-back days. So, yes, I, th- I think it's a legit concern to a degree, not for the reasons that I've heard reported as far as you know, the miles per hour being down and stuff like that, but I think it's it, it, because of the fact they lose James Shields and because of the fact you've got a couple of young starters who are semi-unproven at holding up for a full season and Duffy and Ventura. I think the bullpen wearing down could be a factor as the year goes on. But as of right now, no, to answer your question, I don't see that really as too big of a concern as of right now. But keep an eye on it for sure. Next question, Jonathan Thad Robbins says, quote, realistically, if everything goes to plan, the Royals end up where? Well, we'll get more into this one next week on my prediction. I don't want to let the cat out of the bag here too much. But realistically, realistically, best case scenario, I think is 90 wins and winning the AL Central. I think, I, I honestly think 88 to 89 might get it done, but I think 90 does it for sure this year. I think the AL Central top to bottom is 
if not the best division in baseball, it's got to be second, doesn't it? Third at worst. I mean, you could argue. I mean, there's some tough divisions. The NL West comes to mind as well. But, I mean, the AL Central, to me, top to bottom, maybe they aren't the best teams in the league, but they're competitive. They're, they're, there's some good players. A whole bunch of frontline players seem to flock to this division, whether it's Samarjo over the offseason or Milky Cabrera over the offseason and Cespedes, and you go on and on. So I think that best case, the Royals win 90. We'll get more into that, though, next week. Next question is from Eric Rodriguez, who says, Kendrys Morales struck out in half of his at-bats in the two days I was in Arizona. Should we worry? Well, first time, we're what, eight minutes in here on the first dish. The first time you hear it this year, I know some people were joking last year, you could play a drinking game every time I say sample size. Here's the first one for 2015. It only took eight minutes. Sample size, Eric. First of all, you saw him in two games, so no, I'm not going to worry too much about strikeouts in two games. Now, overall strikeouts for Kendrick Morales, no, I'm not concerned because he's always struck out a lot. You're right about that. He does strike out. 2589 career at bats. 2589 career at bats. He struck out 502 times, so approximately every, what, 5.2 of bats he strikes out. So Morales is a guy that's going to strike out a lot. That's just part of the package, you know? You take the good with the bad. We'll talk more about him, what I expect out of him this year, but we'll take the good with the bad on him. One more question here from Nathan Graham who says, who do you see having a breakout season and who do you see having a decline from last year? Well, a breakout season for the Royals. There's, There's some... Honorable mention candidates. There's some guys like Danny Duffy that come to mind, although his ERA was obviously fantastic last year. Ventura, fantastic, pushed 190 innings, and we know what he did. Those are guys who I think could have breakout seasons because I think there's a lot more ceiling left with those two. So those two are candidates. I'm not going to go with them. You go around the field, there's some other guys. Salvador Perez could have a breakout season. Obviously, if he can improve on his plate discipline, Salvador Perez would be a candidate. But the top two candidates to me, we'll start off with the second one, who I think is the second most likely to have a breakout season. I think Lorenzo Cain could. And he was damn good last year. Surprisingly, OPS 751 out of Cain last year. 339, 412, and 751. Five home runs, 53 RBIs, 28 swipes. I could easily see Cain hitting 350 on base, which would be fantastic. I think he could get that slug up to 450 with some more doubles, maybe a few more home runs. 8 and 70 is possible, I think, depending on where he hits in the order. 30-plus stolen bases. So I think Kane still has 20% left in his ceiling. Defensively, we know what he is, obviously. The key with Kane, of course, is him staying healthy. He, he did for the majority of last year. We need to see that again this year, both for the Royals to win the division, and that's a big part, and for him to have the quote-unquote breakout year. The guy I think that will most likely, and my number one breakout candidate, though, this year is Eric Hosmer. I mean, how can you not pick him? Last year, the power numbers were miserable. Nine home runs and 58 RBIs. They got better, obviously, as the season went on. The postseason had some memorable hits, some big at-bats. Nine and 58 home run-wise last year, and 716 OPS ain't going to get it done from first base. 318, 398, 716. I I just think Eric is going to take that next step this year. I think he's relaxed. And I know I'm talking to our correspondent Jake Lutz out there. He was saying that Eric looked very, very relaxed. That was one thing he noticed. Very... Very calm. It's almost like he knows he belongs now, and he's just confident. A quiet confidence, maybe, is a good way to put it with Eric. And the talent's there. I'm thinking 340, 480, 820 this year. I believe he can make that jump 100 points on the OPS. That's a pretty big jump, obviously. 24 and 97, I think. I'm going to go there. 24 and 97 for Eric. Now, the other half of the question is, who do you see having a decline from last year? (sighs) 
The one guy I'm concerned about the most on this team might surprise you. The one guy I'm most concerned about on this team is Jason Vargas. Jason Vargas, who had a career year in some aspects last year, a 3-7-1 ERA, that was the best of his career. 187 innings, that's the fourth best. So he's throwing over 200 twice in his career. Didn't do that last year because of the uh, you know freak appendicitis thing he had. But 3-7-1 last year, 187 innings for Vargas. It just worries me. I can't put my finger on it. I, I don't have a lot to base this on. It's just a gut feeling. I don't think he's going to explode this year. I don't think he's going to be bad. But I see Vargas as more of a 4-2 to 4-5 guy this year with the same amount of innings, maybe slightly less, maybe 180 innings out there. And it could be even less than that. I mean, there's a good chance if somebody in this rotation is injured or or struggles, obviously you've got a couple of guys in-house. You've got Young, but then you've also got Medlin, who you'd expect to be in the rotation by August at some point as a reinforcement, kind of a almost like a trade deadline guy without having to give anything up. Great you know, signing by Medlin. We talked about that back in December, but... I don't know. Vargas, I just, to me, last year, there was a lot of balls hit right at people. And I worry with all the good right-handed bats in the, in the in the central. I know Detroit torches him. I just worry about him some elevating pitches and, and pitching too much in the middle of the plate. I feel, like he, I feel like he, more than any Royals pitcher, needs that umpire that gives him the corners. So I'm a little nervous about Vargas. I, I, like I said, I don't think he's going to explode and be horrible. I'm not saying that at all. I just think that he's going to regress a little bit, maybe by a half run to two-thirds of a run, which would not be the best thing in the world. I mean, he'd still be a, you know close to a league average pitcher. So that's who I see as possibly having a decline from last year. So Vargas is the one guy I'm kind of worried about a bit. But again, I'm glad that we do have some reinforcement behind. Now, the next thing I wanted to do before we call our insider Jake Lutz is kind of go over – the 25-man roster. We're not going to do too many predictions. We're just going to kind of go over who's going to make the team. Salvi and Kratz behind the dish. You've got to get Kratz in there. Close to 30 starts this year. 25. Salvi can't be catching more than 137, 138 games this year. That's part of the problem last year, although as we talked about at length last year, the whole plate discipline thing, you know, the argument from some some people in the Royals front office was that, and it's, it's a decent argument, The you know, it makes sense. The argument was he was fatigued, the bat speed wasn't quite there, so he had to swing a little bit earlier, which made him swing at bad pitches, and that's why the plate discipline went south. Because if you remember last year, Salvi out of the gate was taking walks and mashing the ball in the month of April, maybe the first two to three weeks of the season, and then slowly the plate discipline was gone. So that could be true. That could be from fatigue. But again, I feel like a lot of it is just him just take a pitch, you know, take a pitch. So I don't know. Anyway, that's a different story. We'll talk about more about predictions next week, but catchers were set there with Salvi and Kratz, Hosmer, Morales, obviously at first and DH second base is one position I wanted to talk about here a bit tonight. Um, Omar Infante, Christian Colon. There's been a lot that's come out about Infante having the bone spurs in his, in his throwing elbow. And he's only, I believe even as it's tonight, only had about eight putouts all spring in the field. He's mostly DH'd. At least only eight put outs in major league spring training games. But a guy who it's a it's a bit it makes you wonder why he didn't have the surgery to take care of the issue over this winter or why he didn't just do it three weeks ago. I mean, it sounds like he'd missed three months, three to four months, maybe max, if he had the surgery to to repair it. And he's had the problem for a year and a half, two years now. And the Royals gave him a four year commitment. So it seems like that would be something he'd want to take care of. I don't know. I'm not going to speculate. Did the Royals tell him to do it? And he said, no. Did the players union say you can't make him? I don't know. I, who knows? Maybe it just got worse. Maybe the Royals thought it would go away. The Royals training staff has been so good the last few years, I'm not going to ever question them. They know what they're doing. 
But it makes you wonder a bit, and it makes you a little bit frustrated this problem wasn't already fixed coming into the season or that Omar couldn't have done it a month ago, you know? Get him back by the All-Star break 100%. Because if he's going to be banged up all year and not be able to play more than 120 games and not be real effective at turning the double plays and stuff, then it'd almost be better to just not have him half the year and have him 100% the second half. So I don't know. Something to think about. One thing I know about Omar I find interesting as well is I've got my issue of baseball perspectives 2015 here, which is if you don't have this or have never seen it, pick it up. Good grief, it's amazing. Even Brian Bannister, who we interviewed here in Clubhouse Conversation, has a forward in there with Peter Gaiman. So, uh, based on perspectives, which I really respect, they have Omar Infante as the highest wins above replacement improving player in baseball. The highest warp improvements. They have him from negative 1.2 last year to 2.1 this year. That's a 3.3 positive difference. Nobody in all of baseball with their forecast has a higher positive difference in 2015. So they're expecting a lot better things. They're not saying he's going to be great this year, but they're expecting a lot better things from Omar Infante in 2015. So he's kind of an enigma on this team for those two reasons. You know, Someone to keep an eye on as the season goes on. Escobar, you've got him for 160-plus games at shortstop, hopefully, God willing. Moose at third. The outfield's one of the only – there's really only two places where we don't know. There's 23 guys penciled in. There's two guys on the fringe. And the extra outfielder and one arm in the bullpen is what those are. Gordon Kane, Rios, Dyson locked in. I believe Paula Orlando because he's on the 40 and an organizational guy who can run a little bit. Plays pretty good defense. I think Paulo Orlando gets that fifth outfielder spot until Luke Hochaver comes back. So maybe three weeks in the big leagues for Paulo. Maybe in a bat or two, but mainly a pinch runner, defensive replacement. I believe he compliments those guys well. He'll be, I believe, the third Brazilian-born baseball player when he makes his big league debut. Good kid. Nice kid. Had a chance to talk to him at length last year. Really, really like Paulo a lot. Starting pitcher-wise, you got, obviously, announced today the, the worst-kept secret in the world. Ventura will be the opening day starter with Duffy, Volquez, Vargas, and Guthrie. And once again, the bullpen is where the last spot is still open. You've got HDH, Frazier, and then your long guys are Young and Morales. And it comes down to Lewis Coleman against Brian Flynn for that final bullpen spot. Coleman looked absolutely filthy against the Padres the other night, striking out five of six, including a slider to Matt Kemp that, man, it was dirty. Brian Flynn has pitched well, though. But the thing is, you know, he's got the option. He can go back to the minor leagues. Coleman can't. So my prediction is this. I mean, and Flynn pitched really well tonight against the White Sox. Coleman did not pitch very well tonight. My prediction is Coleman makes it as of now unless there's a trade. I mean, I think the Royals may open up and see what they can get for Coleman. Can they flip him for a valuable bench piece that we don't know about that can maybe play where Orlando goes down? Can they flip him for a, an outfielder slash infielder, kind of a Bonifacio-type player? I'm not saying Bonifacio per se. I'm saying a player like him because obviously you can't get him for Lewis Coleman. But will, will they flip Coleman and let Flynn make the team? If they flip Coleman, Flynn makes the team, and you get that second lefty with Morales out there. Morales started off so good, bad the last two outings, you might want a second lefty out there. Although, again, you can always call Flynn up at any time because he's got options. So Flynn's in AAA if they can't trade Coleman. If they can trade Coleman, Flynn makes it. The only way you trade Coleman is – Obviously, for either a low-level prospect, a lottery ticket, or maybe somebody else is going to be put on waivers, find a team, like I said, a, a super utility type guy. So there you go. Those are your questions answered. There's kind of the roster. 23 of the 25 spots are already taken, so I'm not telling you anything groundbreaking with the roster. That's why I kind of went over it quick there. We will get into predictions more next week. But one last thing here on this edition of Clubhouse Conversation on your dish, as we are now going to call Royals... Clubhouse conversation correspondent. Happy to welcome him to the team this year. Jake Lutz is going to join us here. 
and I believe we have him on hold. Jake, are you there? I am here, yes. David, how you doing? Good. You're fresh back from Surprise, Arizona. First of all, how was the weather out there? Oh, it is, it's perfect out there. I mean, compared to this, you know, kind of cold and rainy weather we got here, you had, you know, upper 80s, low 90s every day, just the perfect weather down there in Arizona for baseball. And I know you're a big fan of the prospects like me. You went back to some of those backfields and watched them, and you and I will be going to some minor league games this summer. So we'll talk more about the prospects in the future. But today I wanted to talk uh, kind of about the four facets of the game out there because, I mean, you obviously you spent close to a week out there in Surprise, saw the Royals plenty. Mm-hmm. Let's start off by talking about the offense. What did you see out there from the offense? And, you know, obviously sample size, you know, being, you know, pointed out and being pointing out that maybe you didn't see some of the guys every single day. But what did you see? Right, yeah, well, we'll start with the good. Um, Alex Rios, I thought, looked excellent at the plate. He had good plate discipline and hit the ball pretty hard. He stood out to me the most, I would say. Also, Mike Moustakis, I know we say this every single spring, he always looks good at the plate in the spring, and then it never transfers over to the regular season. But, you know, he hit the ball hard several times to opposite field. He looked pretty good. Also, Salvador Perez, good news for him. He uh, looked like he had a little more plate discipline, which is which is good, at least the last week, so... Hopefully he won't be swinging at those pitches in the dirt anymore, but he he looked pretty good. Now the bad, I thought Kendris Morales, he just did not look good at the plate overall. Um, swings and misses a lot, which I think he's been known to strike out quite a bit. But hopefully, you know, it's just spring, first spring training he's had in two years, so hopefully he's still getting used to it. And, uh, you know, there was the offense didn't have much power, which, you know, in Arizona is a little bit of a concern, but not too much to work and also, you know, to worry about. And also – uh, I wish overall the offense guy is still not quite as selective as we'd like, but we we know this team well. They've got there are a lot of young guys. They get anxious to play it, and uh, there's still time. Luckily, we got two weeks, so hopefully, you know, the offense will get going here and they'll start hot this season. But uh, yeah, one of the best week overall. Yeah, well, and again tonight against the White Sox. A couple of guys I wanted to ask you about. You mentioned one of them there. You mentioned Moose because I've seen him a few times. I've been following closely. He is, like you said, hitting the ball the opposite way. Hit another shot tonight to the warning track out there, the opposite. So, you know, do you think he looks kind of refined up there, like a different approach this spring, like kind of a new hitter in a way? Maybe that postseason kind of carried over. I think so, and he's definitely all spring long. He's been working on hitting the ball the opposite field, and you know, trying to beat the shift because. While I was down there, everybody's playing him with the extreme shift to the right side, and that's going to work in his favor. He's going to pick up a lot more base hits if he's just hitting the ball to opposite field. And you know, I think I think it definitely is a confidence booster for him. It's all about confidence. The fact that he had that big of a postseason where he hit you know five home runs, and I think that's going to carry over for him in the spring, hopefully. Now, how about Lorenzo Cain? Because I, I saw a couple good at-bats tonight out of him. I mean, as the season went on last year, I'm sure you noticed it as well. We've talked about this, actually, you and I have. I mean, the at-bats got better and better, the pitch recognition. I was just so impressed with him last year, drawing some walks, you know, the discipline up there. What did you see out of him? Did you see him very much out there? I did see him, yeah. He um, he had a, a couple a couple of the nights he was not on his game, I think. But for him, it's all about, I think, getting more at-bats as it goes. You know, spring – you know, I think as the season went on, as we talked about last year, he, he gets better and better each game. He sees more pitches. And when he's selective up there at the plate, I think his biggest issue is when he chases pitches. When he's selective up there, he is an excellent hitter, and that's why he was so successful last year. And I think as we get into the regular season, as long as he's selective, he'll be, he'll be set for another good year for the Royals. Now how about defensively? What did you see defensively from this ball club while you were out there? Well, I think – 
people, some people may not realize, but Alex Rios is a significant upgrade in right field over Nori Aoki. <laughs> not just with the routes he takes to the ball, but he has a cannon out there in right field. He, some of the throws that, you know, he didn't throw anybody out, but he's got that type of respect out there in right field, almost like Alex Gordon does in left field, where it's going to be pretty scary considering teams are not going to want to run on either of these guys ever. Anytime there's a hard hit single with a runner on second base, and it's going to Rios or Gordon, teams are going to be thinking twice about, about running those guys. So it's nice to have another power arm out there in right field to, uh, you know, that's really going to help us out there defensively. Also, um, as far as defense, a little worried about Infante. I know he's only played second base now a couple days. And uh, not even just when you can see it when he's warming up out there on the field, he's not really throwing with any velocity. And he's said after the games that he's, you know, just not trying to push it right now. But his arm is, I think, still kind of messed up and hopefully he as hopefully it'll heal up i mean i don't know what else there is to say about it but it's not that far of a throw from second base and he's got to be able to make it and also um dyson he, he threw out a guy the other day uh he's not been getting as many reps as kane and the other guys in the outfield but he had somebody test him in the center field and he gunned him down at third base on a single trying to get from first to third and it's good to see that he has a pretty good arm out there too so it's a it's a tough outfield for guys to run on yeah, totally. And Omar Infante, to get back to him, we talked about him earlier today. I mean, it's it's kind of an enigma with him because of the fact that he's got the bone spurs in the elbow. We knew that going into the offseason and wasn't taken care of. And now we find out that he, w- you know, he will have the surgery, uh, you know, once the season ends. But it just kind of makes you wonder about that. I mean, the, you only saw him throw the ball, what, once in an actual game? Because I think he only had one put out, right, until tonight. Is that right? Yes. Yes, but just seeing him warm up, it just you can tell there's it's it's bothering him, you know. And it's it's still amazing me that nothing was done in the right. offseason, you know. <laughs> it's 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 odd. It makes you wonder a little bit what exactly went on there. Now, okay, so you mentioned the throw from second. The turning the double plays will obviously also be a concern that we'll keep our eye on as we get going. Pitching wise, what'd you see? Well, starting pitching, Danny Duffy against the Giants the other day looked really good. I mean, um, he was facing a split squad team. He only had about half the major leaguers um, on in the starting lineup there. But overall, his stuff looked excellent. Curveball looked great. Good velocity on his fastball, hitting 94-95. Also, it was good you know, to see Jason Vargas finally have a good start earlier tonight because um, he had not had a good spring at all before that. And um, Volquez was... He was his curveball was very flat the other day against the White Sox. Did not look good, and he even admitted that it wasn't good. But he said not to worry that you know he's apparently he's always has bad spring trainings according to him. So I don't think that's anything to worry about. He hasn't been good in the spring, but hopefully once the regular season gets going, he will uh, he will be good with the other guys. Yeah, and then bullpen wise, you saw quite a few of the bullpen arms. I mean, obviously the main race at this point. Well, we, we we're still pretty sure that Franklin Morales is locked in, although he was lit up his last two outings. But we're still going to assume Morales is in there. But you know, the the big it comes down to Flynn and Coleman. You, you saw both of them throw, didn't you? Yes, and well, Coleman was just lights out last. Uh, I believe that was last Friday night against the. I'm not sure was the White Sox or pa- Padres. Yeah, Padres. Yep. That's it against the Padres. Yeah, where he struck out five of six guys. Yep. He's been. I I think that he has probably got the edge, especially you know since he doesn't have uh, any options. We don't want to lose the guy who's he's had an excellent spring overall. And, but overall, I mean, with the back end of the bullpen, you already you already know what you're going to get. Holland and Davis both were. They looked like they were in midseason form. They picked up right where they left off both for outings. 
they were excellent, throwing hard. Um, Kelvin Herrera looked just as good, too. He's hitting 98, 98, 99 on the gun already. So overall, I think the bullpen, I think we are, we're lucky that we, you know, have such an incredible back in the bullpen. And the only thing now is just who's going to pick up that last spot, whether Morales, he's been rocked his last two outings, but I think there's probably still a pretty good chance that he's going to make this roster. Yeah, I think he's penciled in at this point, especially because of the innings as well. And one question we had earlier, and I know you sat by some scouts and saw that their guns were faster. I know that surprise gun is kind of slow. Somebody had had concerns about you know Davis and Holland maybe being a couple miles an hour slower than normal. But you share the you share you know my belief that that's no big deal. A because the gun was off, and B because they're not obviously going 100 percent at this point. Correct? Yes. Yeah. That's nothing to worry about. Yeah, they both on the on the gun and surprise, they're both hitting. You know, 94 to, I think Holland, the highest I saw him hit was 96 on the gun. Right. Um, but that was just one pitch. They were mainly in 93, 94. Herrera was hitting about 97, 98. So, you know, he always, he can crank it up to 101 at times. So, um, yeah, that's nothing to worry about. Their velocity looked great. Their breaking stuff looked great. They, all three of them look like they're in mid-season form. Very cool. Well, next week, Jake, next week we're going to do a little prediction episode. So we will call you again next week and kind of break down what you and I think about the AL Central and where the Royals will finish and, you know, go over some some players, you know, maybe some breakout year guys. I, I kind of talked about mine earlier, but we'll go more in depth to it next week. You down? I am down. Yeah, that sounds great. Very cool. Well, that's it for this edition of Clubhouse Conversation, The Dish. Make sure you keep listening here because interviews, we post those now. We're going back to the current Royals. will be published every week beginning next week now through the end of the regular season. Anywhere from Major League guys all the way down to the guys that the Royals draft in June. We'll talk to them throughout the minor league system. And then, of course, former players. We have Desi Relaford this week. We're going to have Whitey Herzog on with us next week. I'm excited about that. And we'll get back to daily editions of The Dish throughout the 2015 season. Jake, thanks so much and we'll talk to you again soon and talk to everybody listening again soon.